0: thanks Ulysses and Chelsea. Uh, Our scripture reading for today is going to be in Luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. So if you want to open up your Bibles there, Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have some at the uh, ends of the pews. And if you don't own a Bible, you can go ahead and take one of those home with you as a gift from us. Uh, So we are in Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4.
1: in Mark chapter 3 it's just one of my favorite passages it's when Jesus is calling his first disciples to him you know he looks around at the crowds and folks he's gotten to know and and he says this he says you know he went up to the mountain and called to him those whom he desired what I want us first to know is that Jesus desires us. He wants us. He calls us to himself. He desires us and then they come to him. He appointed the twelve whom he also called the apostles so that, and here's the purpose statement, so, so he desires us and then he brings us, he calls us to himself so that we might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Uh, so this is the kind of pattern of our whole lives that Jesus who desires us. He calls us to himself uh, so that we might be with him and then he might send us. Uh, So here at the well, we just kind of capture that idea by saying we follow Jesus together for the good of the world. And here at the end of the year, as you head into 2024, uh, we're just going to call each of us to make some decisions of what's it look like to be with Jesus and then to be sent by Jesus in this coming year. Uh, So uh, I want you to be real and In prayer in these three areas of following Jesus kind of being with him and growing in your relationship with him and then doing that together uh, with other believers who've been called to him and then finally doing that for the good of the world Uh, praying through and deciding what's it look like for me to be with Jesus and then to be sent by Jesus as we all here at the well are following him together for the good of his world Amen. Uh, I want us to just grab this card out here uh, as we uh, head into uh, our new and Advent series. Uh, We're taking the first uh, four weeks of our series in Luke and and really focusing in on the arrival of Christ uh, and his birth. Uh, And and grab this card out uh, as we uh, head into 2024. I, I want us each heading into the end of this year, into the next year. Uh, to make some intentional decisions and commitments. Uh, I talked about in the video there just the idea that uh, we want to be people who intentionally are with Jesus and then sent by Jesus as we follow him together for the good of the world. Uh, So in the following Jesus area, here's where I want us each thinking. Uh, Uh, First, uh, are we people who are marked as His? Uh, Have you been baptized? Uh, Have you said, hey, I belong to Jesus. I want to follow Him. He's rescued me, right? I've died with Him. I've risen with Him. I want to follow Him. Have you been baptized? Maybe that's an area you want to make a commitment at the end of this year. Uh, The second would be this, uh, uh, spending daily time with Jesus as you follow Him in 2024, Just just saying, hey, this is a year I spend daily time with Christ. And we're going to have different ways to help us in each of these commitments, by the way. And then together, uh, maybe it's uh, becoming a member, deciding, hey, the well is my church home. This is is my home. For the season I live in this D.C., Maryland area, the well is my church home. Uh, So becoming a member here. Or secondly, maybe in the together area, you're thinking and making a decision to connect uh, deeper or to connect into a community group. Our families together our small groups that live on mission with one another. And then the last area, for the good of the world. Maybe this is the year you share the good news with blank and you fill that out. This is when I want to talk with this person about who Jesus is and what he means to me. Or maybe this is a year you get a bit more involved locally or internationally in missions. Uh, Maybe with our refugees or vulnerable children or Title I schools. Or or you go to Costa Rica or Africa or India. I I don't know what God is calling you into, where you follow Him this year. But I want each of us to be intentional in December before the 31st to say, I'm going to make a commitment in one of these three areas, maybe all three of these areas, and then the last area I want us to be all intentional on is our generosity as we follow Him in generosity all together. Uh, you know, in December we often see a, a more generous giving uh, and, and we leverage it for mission and leverage it for the, uh, the work of following Jesus together for the good of the world here at the well. Last year was crazy, <laughs> Uh, we gave about 100000 extra, and then we, on top of our giving, on top of our budgeting uh, this past year, then we just spent it. Uh, we didn't budget it. We just kind of overspent it. We had, we had uh, been given it to spend on mission, and then we spent it on mission. So we did things like we bought a van uh, for a family that needed a van that was handicapped, uh, accessible, and usable. So we said, boom, there's a van. Uh, we increased our partnerships overseas, and we gave over and above because of how we gave in December. Last year, we gave it this year. Boom! Uh, we bought motorcycles for missionaries so that they could take the gospel uh, to villages in India. We we, we helped install wells. We, we helped uh, 40 folks who were displaced because of an earthquake. I don't, I don't know if you remember these things, but we just said, hey, this was given. Now we're going to spend it on top of our giving for this uh, normal uh, fiscal year. We're going to spend it on top because it was given to spend. So that's what we did end of last year. Uh, End of this year, uh, I want us to give generously as we follow Jesus together for the good of the world and and decide what that looks like uh, so that we can leverage it intentionally within our budget this coming year in staffing and mission and vulnerable children and Title One schools and in in children's ministry uh, that we would give generously that we would walk into 2024 in a very strong way financially. All right, so that's what I want us praying on as we head into the end of the year. Uh, what will it look like for you to follow Jesus together for the good of the world, and what might he be calling you to give? Uh, so we'll hand these in on the 31st. If you're not going to be here the 31st, you can hand them in any time in the blue box in the back. Uh, but make sure you put your name at the top, uh, particularly if you want to get baptized or if you want to become a member because we'll follow up with you on things like that. Uh, but you can drop that on the 31st or any time in the blue box. Uh, so as we've been doing, uh, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer as we head into uh, the sermon here. Um, it's a little crowded up here. That's okay. You can, I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze my kneeling in over here. <laughs> if you're able to and would like to, uh, would you kneel with me and we'll pray on these things and ask him to meet us at the end of the year and in this sermon. Father, would you guide us now as we come before you, first just to praise you. Open our eyes, our minds, our hearts just to praise you right now. Talk to him, give him thanks and praise for who he is and all he's done. That he desires you, he knows you, he loves you. Father, now we come before you just with commitments, uh, thinking through and talking with you about what you might be calling us into as we follow you together for the good of your world in December and into 2024. God, guide us as we talk with you in these commitment areas and in our giving and generosity. Now, Father, we uh, humble ourselves before you and ask that you would uh, reshape us, um, open our eyes to worship you more or live for you more, obey you, cling to your grace more. God, we ask uh, you to speak to us in this sermon through your scriptures. Father, thank You for Your grace. Thank You that You sent Your Son. You didn't leave us here to live life alone. You didn't leave us here uh, in our sinfulness or our rebellion, but You rescued us. Thank You for the Spirit that He dwells in us uh, by faith, that we're transformed by grace, that we're made new, that we are Your sons and daughters by grace. God, would You speak to us in this sermon for Your purposes? Would You open our eyes more and more to the glory of your son? Would his grace come on us new and afresh in a way that we would worship him and follow him and obey him and enjoy him and share about him more and more in our lives? God, we're, so, we're just so grateful for our church too, God. Thank you for the men, women, and kids that we're surrounded with here that, God, we get to just follow you together for the good of your world. Would many more come to know, love, worship, and follow you through us by your grace? Meet us in this sermon, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. So be thinking on these cards heading into the 31st, and uh, you can drop them off then or any time uh, before. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Luke, and normally when we start a new book or a new letter, I'd take some time. I'd say, hey, here's the purpose, here's the author, here's the setting, here's the situation. And I would step out of the book in order to kind of share these things. Well, Luke, the gospel writer, who chooses narrative as his method of sharing about who Jesus is, uh, he gives that intro himself. Uh, so we're just going to walk through these first four verses, and then we're going to pause and we're going to saturate ourselves with the whole chapter <laughs> and listen to the announcement and the responses of Zechariah and Mary as the angel Gabriel comes to them and announces the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. All right, so let's get into this uh, text together, and here's the introduction that Luke himself gives. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Uh, Many have written, Luke says, uh, many have undertaken to compile a narrative. And then he goes down in verse uh, 2 and and 3, he says, And me also, I'm going to join my voice to the many who have written a narrative of what's occurred. He says, I'm going to do that because uh, there were lots of eyewitnesses, which means he's most likely not one of the eyewitnesses uh, and ministers of the word that have delivered them to us. It seemed good that he would write them. Why? Because he has followed all things closely. He's been paying attention. He's been watching. He's close friends with those who are eyewitnesses that he might then write an orderly account. So here we have Luke who, through church history, is most likely a doctor or historian. He's going to give an eyewitness, or he's going to take, he's going to compile all these eyewitness documents and interviews, and he's going to write an orderly account of, of Jesus' life. He's not an eyewitness, but he most likely is Dr. Luke who traveled with Paul all through the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote. Uh, wrote the, the largest piece of the New Testament in Luke and Acts. And all through uh, the book of Acts, we have these we sections where uh, Luke, the historian, is traveling with Paul. He's probably done a ton of interviews. Uh, you know, many have written. Uh, Mark has most likely already written, Matthew most likely has already written. Somewhere in the mid 60s AD, uh, Luke adds his gospel narrative to the pile of many who have written. Who is he writing to? Uh, He's writing to Theophilus, a Theophilus, which means friend of God. Uh, This is most likely a person who has conscripted him uh, for this act of writing. Maybe he's uh, paying the bill of the writing. Maybe he's paying for all the travel for the interviews Luke is doing. Uh, He's getting this orderly eyewitness account, and, and it's for Theophilus. Uh, There's kind of this uh, Greek overtones, Hellenistic overtones, and then there's also uh, Jewish overtones. Uh, uh, Luke knows the Old Testament scriptures well. Uh, Maybe he's a God-fearer, which is uh, one of those early uh, uh, Gentiles outside of the Jewish community that's come to worship God. And now uh, he has met the Savior whom God would send. So he knows the Jewish traditions and scriptures well. And here he's writing to Theophilus. Why? Purpose statement, verse 4, that you might have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. You've been taught. You know the doctrines. Uh, you know what's been taught to you. Now I want you to have certainty of all that has occurred and particularly maybe even that you are included in this new community of Jesus' followers. I love this word which we glossed over in verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, the things that have been accomplished among us by Jesus you see God had a goal he had a a plan and Jesus was going to accomplish it finish it Luke doesn't say "I, I just want to write about the things that happened or what occurred right but something was actually accomplished in Jesus's life death and resurrection a goal of God was met all of eternity was transformed something was accomplished nothing will be the same ever again What's your biggest accomplishment? Go ahead and scroll through it. Go ahead and scroll. I think of my uh, son's room. He's got like uh, wrestling um, uh, medallions hanging. Or I I look back to uh, my trophies that uh, were they were just participation trophies. (laughs) in sack soccer, neighborhood soccer, participation trophies. Maybe that's my biggest accomplishment. Jesus conquered death. Jesus rescued us for all of eternity. Jesus forgave our sins, gave Himself in our place as a sacrifice that we could be welcomed as sons and daughters. Uh, Brian Regan's one of my favorite uh, uh, comedians, and he does this shtick. Maybe you've seen it. He he says, "What if you had been one of the astronauts that walked on the moon? You know, you could go to any dinner table then." and you could you know just have that tucked back in your repertoire i walked on the moon and let anyone share amazing stories from their lives oh you went to barbados that's so awesome oh you got a promotion that's so great i walked on the moon <laughs> right like it's the greatest accomplishment right like and so in one sense we look at all of our accomplishments in our lives like and and we look at them and we're, we're proud of them but then we look next to jesus and what he has accomplished what he has done the goal that god set was met in christ when god himself came to earth and met that goal it was accomplished he conquered hell death and sin he made us sons and daughters And in one sense, everything else feels tiny, small, and insignificant, our own accomplishments. But in another sense, what he has accomplished for all of eternity has radically transformed our entire lives and the things we will accomplish that will have eternal impact because we are worshiping and serving and pointing people to our God has accomplished all these things. It gives new and eternal purpose and significance to the way you work. It gives new and eternal purpose and significance to the way you parent. Or the way you leverage your resources and your time and your effort, weight and significance. All he has accomplished uh, in, uh, gets into the very heart of all we can accomplish and gives eternal purpose and weight. Because here is what's true. Uh, Jesus' life has implication. His life lived perfectly in our place. His death given sacrificially in our place. But also, his resurrection, which has implications and accomplishments. See, all that Jesus began to do, he now continues to do in your life, and in my life, and in his church, for his purposes... In eternal ways, in the way you work, in the way you parent, in the way you spend your resources, and all we do. Uh, Remember I said uh, Luke wrote uh, two accounts, right? The first is the Gospel of Luke. The second is Acts. Listen to how he starts this book after Jesus is resurrected. He says in Acts, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. See, in one sense, all of our accomplishments are insignificant compared to the resurrected Jesus's. But in another sense, He is giving new meaning to every day as He walks with us and He continues all He began in His life, death, and resurrection now in us, in His people, for all of eternity." And all he accomplished begins in the most meager of places, (laughs) Uh, in an announcement that we're going to read that comes both in Jerusalem and in Nazareth to the most, uh, one of them at least, the most uh, unsuspecting of folks. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're going to do what we don't do in December. We're going to slow down. And read the whole chapter. And we're going to hear the announcements, the responses of all that Jesus began as he was heading towards what he would accomplish in his death and his resurrection. And then we're going to say, okay, we see the purpose of his life, what he came to accomplish in these announcements and in these responses and we'll just quickly close by then saying how are we to respond all right so let's get into this text as we slowly hear the narrative see uh, Luke has chosen gospel narrative Uh, why because the story uh, helps us place ourselves in the midst of the story which gives us a deeper and greater impact as we're uh, caught hold of the emotions of the moment and the truths of who Jesus is and what He's doing. And then sometimes it, it hits us sideways. Of, Man, we thought Jesus would love those people. They were the religious, and He like condemns them. Man, we thought He'd overlook those people, but He embraces them. I, he'll surprise us all through the whole narrative as He is accomplishing the task of saving you and I and accomplishing the task of arriving that he might come back again and make all things new, the restoration of his whole world. All right, so let's get into the narrative together. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a couple at the ends of the rows. You may want to have one because we're going to read along slowly. I I won't force you to read out loud, but uh, we'll get into the text together. You may want to follow along. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah in the division of Abijah. Now, Luke is going to do this through his narrative over and over again. Remember, he's a historian, he's a doctor, he's writing an orderly account. Uh, This is uh, King Herod, Herod the Great, known as a great builder. He dies in 4 BC. Uh, He's under the rule of Rome in Judea. And so uh, he's an actual historic figure, right? Like this is history. This isn't some fairy tale. Zechariah was in the division of Abijah, so he's a priest. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, which was surprising in the time and the culture, because they were living a righteous life, and it was therefore assumed that God would bless them with a child. Because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years, which is just a politically correct way to say they're old. Now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Uh, incense is uh, that, that moment of when we know God is coming to be present. Uh, if you grew up in maybe a, a Catholic or uh, a Presbyterian or Anglican church, sometimes you'll bring incense down the middle of the aisle to, in a sense, say, the Lord is coming, His presence is entering, and Zechariah is about to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. You get the picture. God is about to do something coming to Zechariah. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Oh, uh, there appeared to him. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and, fe- and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. That's John the Baptist. Uh, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are going to give birth to John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Zechariah's like, man, how is this going to happen, Gabriel? Like, how is this going to take place? I'm old. My wife's old. And Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand at God's right hand. Like, he's saying, hey, I'm an angel of God come from heaven to talk to you. And you're saying, how? He's like, I'm here from God telling you what's going to happen. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple. Can you imagine his face? (laughs) And Zechariah kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. I love that he completes his service. (laughs) I think that's pretty cool. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. Elizabeth receives this news that she's going to give birth to John the Baptist, and and she's uh, jubilant, right? Like, oh my gosh, God has heard my prayer, I'll have a son, John the Baptist, to come. And now here's another couple. They're kind of like and unlike Elizabeth and Zechariah. This is Mary and Joseph, right? Like uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are super old. They are longing for a child. Uh, Mary and Joseph are super young. They're not quite married. Uh, If they were to have a child, it would be a shame to them. But notice how similar the occurrences are all in the same. In the same month, the angel Gabriel, angel, by the way, just means messenger, uh, Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. Think Podunk. Think New Jersey. All right. No offense if you're from New Jersey. I grew up in Maryland, which is way better than Jersey. All right. To To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and Gabriel came to her and said, "'Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you!' But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb all right, also and, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus.' yeshua joshua savior and he will be great and will be called son of the most high and the lord god will give to him the throne of his father david he's going to be a a king and listen to what kind of king he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end and mary said to the angel this will sound familiar how will this be since i am a virgin and the angel answered her i can Uh, echoing words in the Old Testament to Abraham and Sarah. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth, this is her cousin, heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. This is John the Baptist leaping in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted, this is Elizabeth saying her cousin to Mary, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? She doesn't say my cousin who's uh, conceived a child is in your womb. She says the mother of my Lord Behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, John the Baptist, leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed you, Mary, that there would be a fulfillment of what has spoken to her from the Lord himself. Now, Mary's going to go into this long song, the Magnificat. Uh, it bursts out of her soul. My soul magnifies, Magnificat, the Lord, and my spirit rejoices, and she'll uh, go through this song. And then Zechariah will do the same in his response uh, after uh, John the Baptist is born, and he's uh, no longer mute, and it's this great moment. They're like, what should we call him? And They say, uh, we should call him Zachariah after his dad, and, and he goes, nope, his name is John. And that's right when he can speak again. And he prophesies then of this child, John the Baptist, and the child Jesus who will be born. So let's ask ourselves, what did Jesus come to accomplish as we see these announcements and then dig a little bit into the responses of Mary and Zechariah? Uh, The first thing I I want us to notice uh, in in terms of what Jesus is going to accomplish is that uh, Jesus is God himself coming to earth. Who is coming and who is the one who will accomplish what he is going to accomplish? Jesus the Lord himself, verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. This is John the Baptist being talked about. He's going to turn many to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to make ready the way for the Lord. He's going to come, John the Baptist, as a forerunner to God himself. Then in verse 32, uh, speaking to Mary, Gabriel says, He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The very stuff, the very DNA of God himself. The Son of God from the Most High. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll be an eternal king of his kingdom. The eternal kingdom, there will be no end. Or verse 43, when Elizabeth is talking to Mary, she says this really uh, interesting statement. Why has it been granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Elizabeth talking to Mary says, you are going to give birth to God. Who is coming to accomplish what he will accomplish? God himself, Jesus Christ, the one who saves the anointed one. Uh, What will he do? Mary's song really captures this. I love it. (laughs) My soul magnifies the Lord, she says. Uh, the, all that is in me, my spirit, are rejoices of what is about to occur. What's what's occurring? Uh, this cosmic mercy is coming to earth in Christ, and, and it's going to reverse the roles, uh, uh, pour grace on the situations of so many. The proud are going to be brought low and the humble are going to be risen up. And Mary goes to this uh, amazing song. He's looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with His arm. He's scattered the proud, the thoughts of the heart. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, the rich He sent away empty. And she'll go on. Who's she singing about? She's rejoicing in God, my Savior. The very beginning of her song. How will all of this occur? We'll notice that in her song, in Zechariah's song, through all the announcements, all the responses, mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy, mercy, the mercy, the grace of God. The mercy and the grace of God will bring about salvation and reverse our roles and situations. I want to play a word association game. I'm going to say a word. I'll make them really easy. So many of you have so many degrees. This shouldn't be hard. (laughs) All right. The first one. And you say the first word that comes to your mind. Ready? First word that comes to your mind, just go ahead and say it out loud. Uh, I'll say a word, first word that comes to your mind, word association, you say it next, all right, whatever it comes to. Starbucks, coffee, yeah, coffee, right, all right, all right, all right, another one, Thanksgiving, turkey, you just got to say turkey, right, right, all right, okay, Christmas, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? (laughs) No, yeah, presents, right? Gifts. Gifts, maybe some of you said tree. You yeah, know, that's fine. We got a fake tree this year. A piece of me died when I put it up. We've always had a real tree. But last year's tree cost 160 bucks to cut down. I'm like, fake tree it is, you know? So, no, the first thing you think of is gift, present, right? What's a gift? It's, a, it's a, a free gift. It costs me a lot, but I'm giving it to you freely, right? It's grace, it's mercy, it's what you don't deserve. It changes your situation. It might change your life depending on the gift. And here Mary says, man, the mercy of God over and over, the free gift of God who particularly in His mercy placed His eye on me, little old me, as He saved me, saves you, can save us all by grace. Zechariah also breaks out in a song, but it's a deemed prophecy. Uh, in verse 67, and he says, Blessed be the Lord God. This is sometimes referred to as the Benedictus, right? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and he has redeemed his people. He's raised up what a horn of salvation for us. That he spoke about along oh, of old in the, the prophets and the covenants that we would be saved from our enemies and the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to the promise, uh, as promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant. And, and, it, and in one sense, in some of these songs, we get thinking, man, this is all about Israel. But then uh, Zechariah and his prophecy is going to make this crystal clear the purpose of God in Jesus Christ, crystal clear. Because uh, Zechariah is singing about John the Baptist who's going to lead the way into Jesus. And and he says, you, child, John the Baptist, verse 76, you're going to be called the prophet, the one who's going to prepare the way, speak about, and point people to the prophet of the Most High. Jesus Christ, God Himself, the Most High, come to earth. Philippians 2, He descends from His glory to become human, not just human, but to uh, become our servant, not just our servant, but to die for us. A baby born to die. You're going to be a prophet of this one Most High to come, Jesus Christ, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, our Lord, our God. To do what? To give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. Therefore the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and guide our feet into the way of peace. Our God Jesus is coming with an eternal purpose which He will accomplish. It is to bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins to give us certainty that we can be welcomed as sons and daughters for all of eternity with our God in heaven forever when he brings heaven to earth and all things are made new here, that we'll be with him, we'll be as sons and daughters, it's going to be amazing. But also how that will bring a sunrise of grace in our moments today, this cosmic mercy radically transforming our personal and local and individual and communal lives right here, right now. In the forgiveness of sins, the certainty of a God who has saved us in Christ. By grace, nothing we have done, everything he has given, everything he has done. I, uh, I sat with a friend uh, this past week, and his, um, uh, his uh, mother had died. And he told this story, this sacred moment. I'll never forget the image he painted for me out there on the street uh, as we were talking as he was walking his dog he talked about how they, they were in the hospital room with his mom, and he had a nickname for her. I won't share it because uh, they're all around. It's a really sacred, special moment. And, uh, and then he talked about that moment where her, her hands kind of let go, went limp. And he said he never experienced anything like that before when, when he in a sense saw and he felt her leave. And I don't know if you've ever been in the room when that's occurred, when when eternity, the eternal being of who we are—our soul, our spirit—goes somewhere. And he said to me, "He said I want to be certain I know where I go in that moment." And so we got to talk uh, for a bit there. I, I love this guy; he loves me. We're good friends. And then we got to talk again this past week, and. And Luke writes this narrative of the life of Jesus. He says, I want you to know with certainty how all of eternity has been radically transformed, how today has been radically transformed by the Savior of the world. I love the image that Luke gives in this moment of Zechariah talking about John the Baptist, who's going to point to Jesus. He says, sunrise shall visit us from on high see Advent season is this season where we, we, we look back in the church It's this pivot moment right where, where we're kind of getting to the er, end of the church calendar where we where we look forward to Jesus's uh advent arrival his second coming but then it's also in that same moment we're looking uh back at his uh, initial advent arrival and his birth and and we're in this moment in between where, where where jesus has has come he has arrived and he will come he will arrive again and we're right here and it's pretty dark it's pretty broken uh, christmas might even be a hard time of year for you and 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 what Jesus wants to do is bring the sunrise of his grace into your life that you would know for all of eternity you have been saved. You've made a a son, a daughter, that that uh, what he has done in his life, his death, his resurrection, has accomplished for us this place before him. But then he wants that sunrise to come in the moment, this grace, and this mercy in our life right now. When you are burned out at work, and you're wondering, why the heck am I doing it? No one's even watching or cares. (laughs) And the Lord wants you to know, you're my son, you're my daughter. Keep at it, I'm with you. (laughs) When you are a single mom, and you are just working your tail off, and it never feels like it's enough. He wants that sunrise of his grace to say, I'm with you. I'm carrying you now and into all of eternity when I come back and make all things new and right. When your marriage has fallen apart, he wants to bring the sunrise of his grace into that moment and mend it by his mercy and meet you in it. When you are feeling the loneliness of this season in a way you've never felt it before, He wants the sunrise of his grace to break in and transform this moment with you right now. A friend of mine, and his marriage had fallen apart because of his unfaithfulness. And he writes this, and I think it's a great picture of the sunrise of grace. Uh, To be frank... Even though I was doing all I could to deal with my addiction and marriage life crisis, there was continual progress. I had a lot of trouble connecting to God, though I was trying. There was a block that I couldn't seem to get through, and the best way to describe it is the picture of a child who's been strongly disciplined by his father. The child understands and even agrees with the discipline, but has his head down and body crouched in shame and fear, having trouble making eye contact with his own father. The child needs his father to make a move towards him and embrace him. That was me. Though I would think of him often and knew all the gospel truths and promises, I had trouble looking directly at God, connecting with him, being in his word. Through my struggle of connecting with God, my one simple and continual prayer was, Father, somehow help me feel your love for me. Several months ago, my family visited a friend, and during our time with her, she told me she had a dream, and in her dream, God asked her why her son wasn't reading his Bible and praying to him. At first, my friend was confused because she wasn't sure which son God was referring to, and when she woke up, she realized that God was referring to me. In my friend's living room with my wife and all my kids around me, I started weeping because God had answered my prayer. He didn't have to, but he made the first move towards me once again. I felt his love right then and there, and that's what I needed. My friend hugged me, and she prayed for me like she always does, and I felt free to connect with God and perhaps freed me to begin to connect with others again after having my dead head down for such an extended time. A sunrise of his grace. Uh, This is our God. This is what Jesus has done for us in Christ. I don't know where you are this Christmas, but might our response be one of belief, rejoicing, and sharing? You know, it it often uh, kind of startles me that, you know, Zachariah gets the smackdown, right? Like, he's like, I'm Gabriel. Like, shut your mouth. You should believe, right? Right? Uh, but in that uh, moment, uh, we see the, uh, the discipline is because Zachariah did not believe, the angel says. But then uh, in Mary, what we see, Elizabeth comes to her and says, man, blessed are you because you believe. But see, Mary didn't understand, Zachariah didn't understand, but there was that inkling of belief in Mary that said, I think God is doing something in the person of Jesus I could never imagine. You don't have to understand it all. Our faith is super logical. It it holds together. It's airtight. You can test it. But you don't have to understand it all, particularly understand every piece of your own circumstance this morning to know you have a God who deeply loves you, who sees you right now wherever you are, who is longing for you and beckoning you towards Himself. You don't have to understand every piece of your situation, but know this, your God loves you so deeply. How do you know He sent His Son who loved you and gave himself for you so we what we rejoice <laughs> uh, each of these songs are just an overflow the insides coming out of mary and Zechariah, rejoicing magnifying making great the name of our god who has done this we say oh praise god you see me and know me and want me and made me your own you've forgiven me And then we share. Each of these is a song. It's a proclamation. The inside's coming out. We say, I know a God who loves like this. I know a God who shows mercy like this. Chances are you will rub shoulders with a family member or friend this Christmas who doesn't yet know Christ. Just share with them what Jesus is doing in your own life, how merciful he is, how gracious he is, how kind he is. Share. Share. You know, all through this passage, as we head into communion, now there's these little kind of touch phrases. I, I, I love them. I, verse 66, all who heard these things laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. Or chapter 2, verse 19, Mary will say this, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her hearts. It's as though uh, those hearing the announcements and responding are taking note of how great our God is and what He's up to, what He's doing. Storing, treasuring these things in our minds, in our hearts. We, we provide the resources that Chad talked about earlier to do so. I'd encourage you to snag a journal, uh, get into the Gospel of Luke with us. I'd encourage you maybe even just to grab one of our kind of normal plain journals with how to read the Bible and how to sit with God in this new year. I'd encourage you to grab a a hidden Christmas and and read that for yourself or read that along with someone who doesn't yet know Christ. But I encourage you right now to ponder these things, to treasure these things in your heart, in your mind. I See, some of the Gospels, they end with, it is finished. Jesus is on the cross and you say, man, he accomplished it. He did it. His life is a perfect a gift of goodness and righteousness to me. I can be a son or daughter. His death is sacrificial in my place. But Luke, what he does, he focuses on the resurrection. He gives a, over a chapter and a half to it. And then in the book of Acts, he says, man, it was just the beginning. See, your life is the sequel to God's grace and mercy. The salvation he's brought in Christ for you, the salvation he's bringing to others through us, the salvation he'll bring when he comes again, for all of eternity we'll get to enjoy it. So I'd encourage you now to store up these things in your heart, to come before him in prayer. How does he need to advent, arrive in your life right now by his grace and mercy? Talk to him about that area. Maybe it's an area of brokenness. Ask him to meet you in it. Maybe it's an area just to rejoice with him, rejoice with him in it. Uh, maybe it's a person he, you know he wants you sharing with. Would you talk with him about that person you love? But first, sit as one whom he loves deeply. He sees you right now. He loves you deeply. We're a bunch of wretched sinners who he's drawn in as his children. And transformed by his grace that we might live for him boldly and joyfully. Meet him there right now.